0: Greetings, welcome back to my gingerbread house. You can come inside this week, it is quite safe. My darling Rynne is behaving herself today. She finds it difficult to communicate verbally without my conducting a proper ritual, and those are too time consuming to perform every day. I'm sure you can imagine how frustrating it must be for her. She has so much to say. And yet the energy it takes for a spirit to speak with the living is just… ridiculous. Wren, look, our dear traveller has returned for another story. She's being quiet. I do hope I haven't upset her. I try my best to make this a comfortable environment for her. She had a hard life. And a harder afterlife, truth be told. Have you ever heard of a bluebeard? The man who killed off several wives before one of them finally managed to well my wren was one of his wives his first actually wren would you be all right if i told our friend here your story just the way you told me knock once for yes twice for no thank you dear i suppose that means i have the go ahead get yourself comfy then i should warn you that this story is a little bit gruesome, but if that's alright with you... Once upon a time, there was a nobleman who was famous across the world for two things. Firstly, he was very very rich, and secondly, he had a thick black beard that was tinted blue in certain lightings. It was this beard that earned him his nickname, which we remember today, even if his real name has been lost to time. They called him Bluebeard. Creative, I know. I have first heard of Bluebeard when I was a child, of course. He went on to become famous for a third thing, as well as being very rich, and having a mysteriously blue beard. He got through wives like other people get through packets of gum. That is to say, very quickly. But it was when I acquired a rather special vase that I learned that there was more to this story. The vase came from a little troll who lived under a log. And yes, I know that parents tell their children not talk to mysterious women who live under logs in the woods, but I am an adult and I will do as I please. Anyway, this vase was possessed by the spirit of its former owner, a woman named Wren. I did not know this when I bought the vase, and for a while I had a troublesome poltergeist for a roommate. I like to bring in flowers sometimes to brighten up the inside of my home. That was why I bought the vase in the first place. Wren likes to critique my flower arranging skills, and will launch them across the room if they aren't to her liking. We have come to an arrangement though. I'll let her arrange the flowers in her vase, and she doesn't dump them all over me. Which is nice, I do like this arrangement, it means I don't get cold water running down the inside of my collar on a regular basis anymore. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it is not nice. I do recommend getting yourself a ghost if you can find one though. She is very good company. I was rather lonely before I found Wren, and now I have somebody to talk to in the evenings. Now, Wren was once married to Bluebeard. She was the very first of all his wives. He had a nickname for her. Wren means queen, so he used to call her his little queen. I also have a nickname for Wren. I call her Little Bird, because her name sounds like the garden bird Wren. She is not very appreciative of my nickname for her, but um she has yet to figure out a decent nickname for Melissa, so For now I am safe. I'll let you know if she comes up with anything. Now to talk to a ghost one must be open to the prospect of a ghost. If you don't believe that they exist, it can create a sort of mental barrier which most spirits struggle to push past. Wren had spent decades before I found her living in homes with people who didn't believe she existed who couldn't see or hear her at all. So when she moved in with me, she was rather eager to share her story. Soon after her wedding to Bluebeard, they moved into his mansion, which had been especially built for the happy couple. And for a time, all was well. Bluebird's work would sometimes call him away for months at a time. And in those times, he told Wren, she could do whatever she wanted with the house. Now, it was when he returned home early from one such excursion that Ren met her horrible fate. He set off for work, as he usually did, and returned two days later, several weeks before he was due, and he was very upset to find that Ren using the house as she pleased meant Ren running around the house in her nightgown, using a solid silver tray borrowed from the kitchens to slide down the staircases. The silver of the tray had been scratched at the base, where she'd been using it as a sled. Wren had never seen Bluebird yell before. He lost his temper in a way she'd never have guessed was possible from him. He'd always seemed so kind and patient and gentle before that afternoon. He knocked her over the head with a scratched silver tray and carried her body through to an unused parlour in the eastern wing, where he sat it down in a chair and installed a heavy lock in the door for which there was only one key. Wren was dead, but her spirit lived on, tied to the vase that her mother had given her as a wedding gift and which she had lovingly placed flowers in every day since. Bluebeard's second wife was called Connie. She moved in a couple of months after Wren's murder, which had been framed as a tragic accident. They said that she fell down the stairs, and nobody thought to question that. This was the first real test of Wren's afterlife, because Connie could not hear her. No matter how much she screamed that Connie's new husband was a murderer, no matter how much she yelled and yelled, Connie could not hear her. Wren resorted to throwing things off of Connie's dressing table across her bedroom, the bedroom that had once been Wren's, the dressing table that had once been Wren's. But still, Connie did not hear. One day, as he had before, Bluebeard had to go away on business, but he gave his wife free reign of the house. He also gave her a set of keys, and told her that she could open any door, go anywhere, except for the lock room at the end of the eastern hallway. This was, of course, where Wren's body was. And Connie invited some friends over, spent a few nights not going into the forbidden room, but eventually her curiosity got the better of her, as curiosity often does. She was horrified to find Wren's body, as I'm sure you can imagine. Bluebeard returned a few days later, and Connie tearfully confessed what she had found. He killed her for disobeying him, and put her body in the locked room with Wren's. Years passed, and Bluebeard married more women, four more to be precise. And they all upset him in some way, usually by disobeying direct orders not to enter the room full of bodies in the eastern wing. And they were all killed. Bluebeard's fifth wife was an exception to this trend. She angered him by refusing to wear her blue shoes to a party, apparently. His temper by that point was extremely thin and very easy to set off. He was a horrible, horrible man with a horrible temper which he kept hidden and secret until after the wedding when his new wife felt safe in his company. His seventh wife was called Victoire. By the time Bluebeard married her, Wren had been dead for over ten years. There was nothing left of her body but a skeleton, wearing the nightgown she'd worn on the day that she had been murdered. Victoire was luckier than the other six wives had been, because she had a family who lived nearby, And who intended to be a nuisance even after she was married. The moment that Bluebeard was away on his little business trip, having given Victoire the keys to every room and the instruction not to go near to the end of the eastern wing, Victoire invited her sister over for a slumber party. And they stayed up late. They did their hair, they made face masks, they tried on all of Victoire's fancy new ball gowns and laughed at how ridiculous they felt. The ghosts of Bluebeard's first six wives were like a little family by this point. Ren and Connie had been forced to share a home and a secret for years, and every death was like gaining another sister that you didn't want, having to explain to another girl that her life was over, literally over, and she had been brutally murdered by someone she thought she could trust. The two living girls, Victoire and her sister Yvette, spent the night in Victoire's bedroom, which had once belonged to Wren, and to Connie, and all of the other women whose bodies lay just across the house from them. They awoke the next morning after their little sleepover, and decided they wanted to make pancakes, just like they used to as children. Victoire went to tell the kitchen staff not to cook them breakfast, and to steal all of the ingredients, while Yvette left to grab their brothers, both still live with their parents about 20 minutes walk away. Pancakes for breakfast wouldn't be pancakes for breakfast without their brothers, they thought. Ingredients bundled in her arms, Victoire went to wait in the parlour for her siblings. But 40 minutes is a long time to just sit in silence when you're excited, and she quickly got bored. She had only been married to Bluebeard for a few weeks at this point, and a lot of the manner was unexplored, including... Of course, the eastern wing. Just as he had with Connie, Bluebeard had left her a set of keys that would open every door in the mansion. Victoire found them and set off. She opened every single door in the eastern wing and peered inside, looking in on dusty, disused sitting rooms and unneeded spare bedrooms. And then she reached the last room in the corridor. She stepped inside and was met with the sight of six bodies in various states of decay. As I said, Wren was almost a full skeleton by this point, though her beautiful red hair was still hanging wild around her face, and her nightgown was still intact. Annabel, wife number six, was killed recently enough that she almost looked alive from behind. It was only as a victoire stepped around and looked into her dead, lifeless eyes that she realised she truly was in a room full of dead bodies. She screamed. The key fell from her hands into Annabelle's lap, where blood spilled from the wound in her stomach and pooled and was still, weeks later, a little damp in the middle. Victoire grit her teeth and snatched them back, instinctively wiping the blood off on her dress before realising what a mistake that was. the keys were enchanted and the blood wouldn't come off even if it left a red mark on the fabric of her skirt. Victoire ran upstairs to get changed. She was just fastening the front of a fresh dress when her husband unexpectedly returned home early. He went up to the bedroom where he helped Victoire to fasten her dress and explained that his ship had been delayed for a few more days. He asked for the keys which Victor had stowed away in the bedside table. She tried very hard to distract him, but he remained firm and eventually she had no choice but to give in. She fetched the keys for him, which were stained red with enchanted blood, and Bluebeard knew immediately where she had been. I have no choice now, he said, but to kill ye. Victoire fell to her knees and begged her husband to at least let her watch one last sunrise if she really had to die. He conceded that sunrise should be happening in the next few minutes, so he could wait that long, he supposed. Victoire ran upstairs immediately, to the highest eastern-facing window she could find in the manor. She looked out of the window, and was relieved to see Yvette and their brothers making their way down the drive. They, of course, had no idea that anything was wrong, and they were making their way at a leisurely pace, laughing and joking and talking about who knows what. But if Victoire could just hold on until they arrived, maybe they would be able to save her. She stayed by the window and watched as they grew closer, and as the sun began to rise in the sky behind them. The ghosts of the six wives that had come before her knew what was coming. They'd seen it before. The moment Victoire wandered into the room where their bodies were being held, they knew what would become of her. But as she looked out of the window and saw her siblings, the ghosts saw something that they hadn't seen before. They saw hope on her face, and they dared to hope too. As the sun began to peek over the horizon, Bluebeard made his way through the house to kill Victoire grabbing an ornate sword from a rack on the wall to use to do the deed. And the ghosts of six very angry women tried their very hardest to stop him, or to slow him down. They threw objects at him. They knocked furniture over into his path. They pulled on his beard and his hair and his clothes. They screamed and they cursed at him. Anything they could think of, they tried. But despite everything, Bluebeard reached the foot of the stairs that led up to the room where Victoire stood with her face pressed against the window. He called her name. Victoire came down to meet him, tears streaming down her face, and there was nothing left for the ghosts to do except watch. Until her siblings arrived. Bluebeard was lifting his sword to cut off Victoire's head, even as Yvette led their brothers down the hall to the parlour, where she was expecting to meet her sister for pancakes. Wren focused all of her strength, and appeared to the siblings at the end of the corridor, a fuzzy apparition of a woman who pointed in the direction Victoire really was, hoping that they'd get the message and follow her. They did, and they found Victoire. Thankfully, they arrived before Bluebeard was able to murder her. The brothers overpowered him whilst Yvette wrestled the sword from his grasp and gave it to their sister. And Victoire killed the man who would have killed her. She inherited the manor house as his wife, as well as his entire fortune. Proper burials were organised for the bodies of all six wives furniture in the manor was sold on, and the building was demolished to make way for new, affordable housing for people in need of it. Victoire fell in love with and married a baker many years later. They lived a happy and modest life together, using Victoire's fortune to buy a beautiful bakery and then donating the rest to a local shelter for victims of domestic abuse. Ren's vase passed through many hands before finding its way to the troll I bought it from. She had not realized it was haunted when she bought it, and she did not like Wren. Don't get me wrong, I don't always like Wren, but it's nice to have her around. And she's an excellent poker player. Thank you for listening to The Gingerbread House. This week's episode was inspired by Bluebeard, a French folk tale dating back hundreds of years. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing our podcast with a friend or dropping us a review on your podcast streaming service of choice. It really would mean a lot to us. The Gingerbread House is written and produced by Daisy Plant, who also provides the voice for Melitta, the witch. You can also find us on Twitter at gingerbreadpod, all one word. And now on Instagram, at the Pod Again, all one word. Thank you so, so much for listening. Tune in next time for our season finale, when we'll finally learn the story of how Melitta came to live in her gingerbread house.